Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of victorious living. The Word of God is to be so richly in us that if there is temptations, that the Holy Spirit can plaster about 10 to 20 scriptures across our mind. But if you are not in the Word of God, then what's He going to bring up? 2 Timothy 2.15 says that we are to study to show ourselves approved, a workmanship, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. You need to be a man and a woman of the Word of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. A gymnast sees their routine performed in perfection in their mind long before they step up to the apparatus. Well, Pastor Xavier says that's also the secret to living the successful Christian life, letting the Word of God live in your mind and then putting into practice that which has already captured your heart. Here he is with today's Simple Truths. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9, and the message is entitled, Right Thinking Results in Right Living. Paul the Apostle has revealed consistently through the epistle the problem at Philippi. It is the lack of unity and joy. He has just finished admonishing two women, Yodi and Syntyche, who were at odds with each other, and he calls a companion of his to come alongside and to help them to be reconciled. The problem, in effect, was a symptom of a more specific cause, the issue of disobedience and not taking things to God in prayer. Therefore, the anxiety robbed these individuals of their peace with God because of not having right thinking. And so now Paul uses the situation to exhort the body at large, teaching them that if they are going to live right, they must think right. And he gives us this in these two verses, 8 and 9. Basically, what I allow to go through my mind and control my mind will come out in my life, the true character, the inner man. Listen to some of these scriptures. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23, 7. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Matthew 12, 34. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life, Proverbs 4, 23. The Bible has much to say about our mind, about what we think, what occupies our time. And Paul nails it right here. So Paul's proposition is right thinking will result in right living. And... He does this by proclaiming three simple things. Let me read the text for us. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Quite a statement. His proposition, right thinking, will result in right living. And he gives us three simple things. First, the priority for right thinking in verse 8. The priority for right thinking. Secondly, the particulars of right thinking. And then he finishes off with the product of right thinking in verse 9. Let's begin here with the priority for right thinking. Finally, brethren, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, 
meditate on these things. Notice Paul is directing himself to the family members, brethren, those who can choose to obey the command for right thinking. We have no right to ask non-believers to act like Christians or to obey the gospel. They're dead. You come into counseling and you're a pagan, I'll be merciful, compassionate to you, I'll evangelize you. But if you're a Christian, then I require you to live up to the gospel because you're a child of God. I will be understanding. I will encourage you. But you have a greater obligation. This is what Paul is doing. He's addressing them. The word brethren, Adolphus, means of the same kinmen based on the same origin because they're the same family. He uses the word throughout the epistle over and over and over again. Now, once they were dead spiritually, but now they're alive to God. Before they couldn't obey, but now they can. They have the capacity. God never asks of you or me something that we cannot do. Once we're his children, then we have ability and capacity. We need to understand that. Now, once they understood this, then the only thing they could lack would be the will, the will to obey. And that's really the only thing we lack at times is the will to obey. But we do not lack the ability to do. That's very clear through Scripture. You see, the very same ones who could give their anxiety over to God, which he just finished saying, can also choose the priority of right thinking. They're the same people. Now, notice, secondly, the priority is twofold. First, those things that have virtue. The expression, if there is any virtue, does not imply doubt, but rather affirmation, and would be better translated, since. The word virtue means of the highest excellence. Focusing on moral and ethical quality. In classical Greek, this word is used for the highest quality of anything, be it land, tool, a chariot, whatever it may be. So here his focus is that we are to live and to think and to meditate on the things that are of the highest excellence as Christians. We have that capacity. Now, notice the word is found here, but it's also found only four times, other times in the New Testament. So it's not a word that is used much. Peter uses it in 1 Peter 2.9. Peter says we are called to proclaim the praises, and that's how it's translated there. The highest excellence of God who calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So that's what we're called to proclaim, the excellence of God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, God's divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So not only does he call us by and through excellence, but he calls us to proclaim that. And then in the two verses down in verse 5, he says, For this reason, we are to give all diligence to add to our faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, temperance. Boom, boom, boom. And he goes on. In other words, growth, maturity, on. Even as Paul has told us earlier. Now, notice the second thing. He says, those things that are praiseworthy. And the word praiseworthy means that which is approved or commendable. So the first focuses on the quality. The second focuses on the approval of the act from the outside. The context would have to mean God's, not man's. That's important. Paul told the Corinthians that if any man was going to glory, he should glory in who? In the Lord, 1 Corinthians one thirty-one. Not in man's wisdom, not in his knowledge, not in his works, but in God. 
Paul, in fact, told them later on in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you have not received? And if you have received it, why are you glorying as if you had not received it? There is that tendency in all of us, regardless who we are, no matter how long we live, that we can lose sight and perspective, and we take those things that are, are so gracefully given to us by God, and God honors them, and then we turn around thinking that it's because of who we are or what we've done, and we have to be real careful. And that really stands out more when we are comparing ourselves to someone else. And say, well, I don't understand why they can't do it. I mean, I just, you know, and, and we have to be careful. That is a natural tendency, okay? That is the downside of our natural man. Now, the believer has been predestined by God to the praise and glory of his grace, Ephesians 1, 5, and 6 says. That is what God has predestined us to over and over and over again. You see, Paul has already related this to Christ living through them in chapter 1, verse 11. Listen how he started his... Now, we're at this point, right? Now, listen to him at the beginning of the epistle, chapter 1, verse 11. He says, Being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory of his praise in God. There's a word, the same word. It's through Christ. So that which he's asking them can only be done through Christ. So again... What he has proclaimed at the beginning, now he is commanding at the end. Nothing new. Notice thirdly here, still in verse 8 at the end there. The priority is to be a habit of thought. The command is to meditate on these things, having virtue and praiseworthiness. That's what we're to meditate on these things. The command presupposes, again, the ability to obey, not the inability. The discipline is willful, a willful decision, not an accident, a willful thought that follows through, and then you have the product. See, if you, if you do the process, you're going to end up with the product. If you don't do the process, then you don't get the product. It's real simple. Notice the word meditate. It means to reckon, calculate, to take into account with the idea of pondering and dwelling on. The word is used of the chief priests and the scribes and the elders who asked Jesus about John the Baptist's baptism in Mark eleven thirty one. 31. They said, the baptism of John, Jesus said, is it of heaven or a man? And they said, well, if we say heaven, he'll say, why don't you obey it? If we say man, he'll get uptight at us. And so it says, and they reasoned among themselves. There's the word reason. They pondered, they calculated, they thought on. This is the same word here, Okay. Paul uses this word 35 times out of the 41 times it appears in the New Testament. It's a very favorite word of his. Paul uses it for himself. We've seen it in chapter 3, verse 13, when he said that he did not count himself to have apprehended. Same word, count. His mind was fixed, dwelling on that. I haven't arrived. I want to keep hold of that. I don't want to be sidetracked from that. That's an important uh, understanding. Do you see how Paul has been laying out the groundwork for this important exhortation from the very beginning? Think through me, with the epistle with me, from the very beginning. Let me walk you through it. In chapter 1, verse 12, he gave himself an example of thinking right by telling them that he was imprisoned by divine appointment, chapter 1, verse 12. Now, you know when you're spiritually down, emotionally down, you know, the attack comes. Right thinking. I'm here by appointment. In chapter 1, verse 16, he modeled right thinking 
As believers were attempting to add to his afflictions, he says, all I care is that Christ is preached. In chapter 1, verse 27, he commanded them to stand fast in one spirit with one mind, thinking the same thing, striving together for the gospel as he. In chapter 2, verse 1 through 8, he told them that they were to put on the mind of Christ, the epitome of a servant, and then giving himself, Timothy, and Epaphroditus as examples of that proper thinking in verses 17 through 30. Then in chapter 2, verse 14, he told them to do all things without murmuring, for right thinking understands we are the light of the world. Then in chapter 2, verse 29, he told them to receive Epaphroditus with right thinking, esteeming them as a servant of Christ highly. Why? Because they would have the tendency to think he bombed out. Right thinking. Then in chapter 3, verse 10, he told them the goal of right thinking is to determine to experience Christ living through them. As he said there, to know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, to be conformed to his death. And then in chapter 4, verse 2, he told the two women to agree together by right thinking to be reconciled. Now he summarizes his concept by telling them to ponder and dwell on thinking on these things. This is the summary. This is the goal. And it will bring praise to God. Over and over and over again. So what occupied their mind, how they thought, what they thought about, what captivated and dominated their thinking would result in their lives. Very, very important. What Paul is declaring should not be confused with modern-day meditation of positive thinking. It's in me. I can do it. It's in you, but it's not good. (laughs) It's not of imagery. Jesus didn't say, imagine your own reality, okay? It's not psychological methods, whether they call themselves, quote, quote, Christian or not. Any one of these or any combination of these degrade the gospel and contaminate the gospel. This is not what Paul is teaching. Christian meditation is on the scriptures in order that God will speak to my heart, shed light on the scriptures, And I draw from him. Meditate on the word of God. That's what the scriptures teach. Whenever the believer is wise to make right thinking his or her priority, they are victorious in their spiritual warfare by recognizing some basic things. First, to recognize that their heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things, Jeremiah 79. If I begin there, there's hope for me. If I don't understand and begin with the right thinking that my heart's evil, then I'll think that there's something good in me. I'm in trouble. Secondly, to recognize that my carnal mind is an enemy against God, Romans 8, 7. Doesn't like God, wants nothing to do with God. Thirdly, to recognize that my sin nature lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and I cannot do that which I would, Galatians 5, 17. It's the warfare in Ephesians 6, 12. I'm two natures. There's a warfare now. But it's a winnable war. All right? That's the good news. Fourthly, to recognize that Satan's attack is always against the knowledge of God, not me. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. Bring your thoughts into captivity. Because the attack is against the knowledge of God. Eve was confronted by Satan and Satan said, 
Have you said that, Eve? Is that what he said? No. He says, has God said, the attack is always against the knowledge that you have received from God. See, God is the authority. You have no authority, nor I. It's always against the knowledge of God to challenge you. Now, whenever the believer's priority is to think right, he must use spiritual weapons. First, prayer. He just got through talking about prayer. Calling out to God for help. Surpasses all understanding. Gives us that peace. Prayer is as essential as breathing. If you think you can do without prayer, cup your mouth and pinch your nose and let's see how long you can go without breathing. You should have times of prayer. You should have the attitude of prayer throughout the day. That's between you and God. But you should be a walking prayer warrior. That whatever you see, whatever's going on, you're talking to God, you're shooting up prayers, everything else, you just, you know. Second, the ongoing filling of the Spirit of God. Ephesians 5.18 says, keep on keeping on being filled. Continuously. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Then he goes on to put on the whole armor of God. The filling of the Spirit of God. The filling of the Spirit is not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's an absolute essential. You would have better luck to drive your car without gas. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God daily. Thirdly, the Word of God. You get a chance to read Psalm 19, verse 7 through 14. It speaks about the value of God's Word, more precious than gems and gold, and, and it warns us from sin, and it keeps us from presumptuousness, and it's just so rich. It can perfect us. Psalm 119 speaks about only one thing, the Word of God. 170-some verses, I believe, off the top of my head. 2 Timothy 2.15 says that we are to study to show ourselves approved, a workmanship, rightly dividing the word of truth. We don't need to be ashamed. You need to be a man and a woman of the word of God. The word of God is to be so richly in us that if God is dealing with us or if there is temptations, that the Holy Spirit can plaster about 10 to 20 scriptures across our mind. But if you are not in the word of God, then what's he going to bring up? Colossians 3.16, the word is to dwell richly in us. Richly. You see, the priority for right thinking is for who? For the believer. The believer. Now notice, secondly, he moves to the particulars of right thinking. So we understand the priority. We gave us the quality, gave us the approval. Now the particulars. Now, Paul gives us not an exhaustive list, but long enough for us to get the point across. First, and they come in pairs, the first two deal with integrity. I am to discipline my mind to ponder on whatever things are true. And the word true means that which is reliable and honest, decent in character with the sense of not being hidden or concealed, be it in thought Word or deed. Now, listen to me. Before we came to Christ, we were a bunch of liars. We hid a lot of things. I hope that you're not a liar anymore. I hope that your conduct towards others is upright and honest and sincere without guise in the body of Jesus Christ. I hope you are with your mate, your children. Calvin called it, the integrity of a good conscience. Secondly, I'm to discipline my mind 
to ponder on whatever things are noble. Both of these deal with integrity, noble. The word noble, venerable, honorable, having dignity, the quality that makes things worthy of respect. People always want respect, but they, they don't live to deserve respect. The old King James translates the word reverent. Now, often that's given to a reverend, you know. When I receive letters here or emails or whatever, and they say, Reverend Xavier Reese, I know they don't know me. <laughs> There's nothing reverend about me or any other man. Anybody who takes that to himself is real presumptuous. The word appears only three other times in the pastoral epistles, and it's used for the qualifications of deacons, their wives, and older men who are to manifest godly character because of their position in the body of the church and their responsibility. You find it in 1 Timothy 3.8, uh, verse 11, and Titus 2.2. Integrity, something that's lost today. Don't be slandering, don't be gossiping, don't be lying, don't be conniving. Have integrity. I don't care what you were before. I care what you are now in Christ. That's what I care about. Notice secondly, the second two deal with the motives. First, I am to discipline my mind to ponder on whatever things are just. The word just means that which will produce a right relationship with man or God, being conformable to God's standard. The word is used of Joseph, who being a just man, wanted to put Mary away privately in Matthew 119. Now, he didn't want justice, but to be just. Do you know the difference? Many Christians want justice, but do they want justice for themselves? Oh, that's a different way I have to sit down and talk about that. Be just. Be righteous. Temper with mercy. Grace. Justice would have been the stoner. Being just is to put her away privately. Secondly, regarding the motive, I am to discipline my mind to ponder whatever things are what? Pure. Now, the word pure is very simple, straightforward, means clean or chaste, undefiled, but not restricted to sexual purity here. Certainly includes it, but it includes both mind and body, the whole of life. The context is our thoughts that only God knows and ourselves. Therefore, it refers really to the purity of the heart, right? So I have to be careful. Now, I've told you often that you cannot stop dirty thoughts or things from coming in. We have the tendency to want to re retaliate. They just called me just Saturday morning. Peter called me. They came in they playing basketball here, and he calls me up, and, and he says, hey, Xavier, somebody tagged the building outside. Well, I was in bed. I Boy, thoughts that went through my mind weren't very nice. You know, I think every tiger should be stripped naked and tied in the busiest intersection. And when they wake up, they can find themselves. They're all sprayed. That'd be great. <laughs> but I can't do that. Okay? I cannot stop birds from flying over my head. But I certainly can stop them from making a nest on my head. Thoughts are going to come in. I said, Lord, just help me. I just thank you that you've changed me, Lord. Grace covers, and I talk to the Lord, and I move on. Because if I grab a hold of that sucker, I am dead. I'll start building on it. 
The word is used for those who are expecting the return of Christ, and because they're expecting it, they're purifying themselves even as He is pure, 1 John 3, 3. They live a life as such that demonstrates that they really believe He's coming. You see? Pastor Xavier Reese and the power of faith and the promise of the coming King. He'll be giving the conclusion of this message next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to join in, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message on CD for only $4. The title to ask for is, Right Thinking Results in Right Living. And once again, that title, Right Thinking Results in Right Living. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, Call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This is one way we can track this outreach in your area. How powerful is the Word of God? We'll find out on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope you'll be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 